Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz Podcast. I'm Ty Polk, joined by Chris Ward and Guthrie Rasmussen. Not Victory Monday, not Victory Tuesday. The victory was on Wednesday, so it's Victory Thursday as we record this podcast. How are we feeling about this? Happy about the win and everything. Man, that was an ugly performance yesterday, and Tomlin spoke about it in his post-game uh, interview, and he called that junior varsity. It was a lot of drops, uh, one of four in the red zone, and they should have beat the Ravens by a lot more. Who Their entire roster is completely depleted. With, they brought up a bunch of practice squad players. They had several pro ball players out and they should have beat them a lot more by them just 19 or 14. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just, you know, it almost felt like we should have lost that game just based off of how these guys played. Um, there were some highlights, but there were obviously a lot more lowlights and I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Yes, it was a windy 11th point of the season for the Steelers. It was more close to my original prediction of 19 to 17, but there was a loss in this game bud dupree he tore his acl and is now out for the season and just all around horrible timing his contract situation he's on the franchise tag this could be his final game as a Steeler in the middle of a possible super bowl run i mean i'm not going to crown us i'm not denny green or anything like that with the possibility of not returning to the field until next december that's because of the usual time frame of ACL tears. It's 9 to 12 months, so you, you kind of hope it's on the lower end, but it could most likely be on that far end, which just is awful. Where do the Steelers go from here with replacing Dupree? You know, it starts first with Highsmith filling in. They like him. Obviously, you know, they picked him in the third round, and he's done pretty well this year. He had that uh, interception off uh, Lamar Jackson in the first meeting against the Ravens. I, I don't know really what's out there as far as the market. I know Guffey wrote an article today for the Renegade Blitz discussing some of the options that they might have. But, I mean, there's a lot of old guys on there. I mean, was it the Beasley you had on there? He's yeah, on Vic practice. Beasley. Yeah. Uh, he's on a practice squad. We'll definitely get into a couple of these guys uh, pretty quickly. But, yeah. There's, there's not that much out there, right, though? No, not really. It's a tough I mean, situation. And Steelers usually just like next man up mentality. And, you know, this late in the season, the whole, you know, COVID situation, too. I, I don't know, like, who they will find that, you know, would be that much of a, you know, upgrade. Yeah, Guffrey, real quick, rattle off the rest of the names on that article. You mentioned Beasley. You also had some rumblings for Clay Matthews and one former Steeler? Yeah, definitely one former Steeler. Uh, James Harrison, and I wrote this this morning, bright and early. just woke up. I was typing it out on my phone. And then, you know, a couple hours later, we see um, James Harrison back in Pittsburgh talking to Dr. Bradley, who I believe is the team doctor. 
He was getting apparently worked out. People were talking about it on Twitter saying this was an old video, but hey, they were both wearing masks. So it kind of, it's like, mm, you know, this looks like a 2020 type video. Let's just say this right here. If any of you guys have seen that FanDuel commercial, you can see that he still has that tackle form in, but he's 42. Hey, just go onto his Instagram and just look for the last couple of months and you'll, you'll see that he's still benching, you know, 500 pounds or whatever. But uh, what are your thoughts on a possible James Harrison yeah. reunion? Like you mentioned, Harrison, crazy shape for his age and pure strength that he has is amazing. I just, I don't know what type of football shape he's in right now. And I, I know Harrison, he, he he likes to troll a lot too. So he might just put that out there for the fans and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, get them thinking and everything. I'd like a happier ending from yeah. him not yeah, having his him. last moments as yeah. a member of the Patriots. But also, if I wanted to pull out oldies, I mean, I got my original Xbox sitting up here right now. I also uh, I put it in the group chat, the uh, video game NFL head coach 07 with Bill Cowher on the cover. I might as well pull out all the oldies if we're going to bring back James Harrison. I I will believe it whenever the Steelers announce it, whenever Gary Dulak announced it or Dale Lolly, just about anyone, even us, if we announce it. I mean, we're <laughs> we're right on the dot here. Might as well. So. I'll believe it when I see it. And right now I don't see it. So I don't believe it. Yeah. yeah. The way his relationship, you know, it's probably good now, but the way it ended, you know, they weren't on good terms. And, and for a while there, every time Harrison got a media spot somewhere on speak for yourself or any of those networks or shows, he was always burying Tomlin and everything. Yeah. That's, that's a very good thing. You know, it's like you said, you don't want that to be his last moment, but if it is, I mean, Steelers fans still have some good memories of him, but a couple of the other guys that are on this list that I believe you didn't mention were Cameron Wake. He last played for the Titans, but he's a longtime Dolphin. He's 38 years old, not currently in the league. He went to Penn State for college. You know, that's just an interesting one. Probably not going to happen. Clay Matthews, the former Ram, but most notably the former Packer. He won that Super Bowl ring with him. He's also 34 years old. He's up there in age. But the 11 and no Steelers might give him another chance at a ring. And also the last one, after we finish off the segment, a good one to talk about is Terrell Suggs, T-Sizzle. 38 years old, coming off a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Or do you guys think there's any possibility for that? Because it seems like him and Ben Roethlisberger have a decent relationship. Yeah, Ben's always admired him and everything for always playing the, the Steelers so tough and everything. And uh, yeah, he, he has a lot of respect for Suggs. Um, I just don't know. I, I don't know if they could bring a veteran guy in. And they don't have much behind Highsmith. I mean, they have Ola Dany and everything. But I mean, other than that, like you need some depth guys. Someone's got to come on the field and replace Highsmith for a few snaps or even TJ Watt. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I would just say, as of now, I just, you know, this typical Steelers is just to look in house. And I would, I'm just going to kind of expect that and not get our hopes up. I mean, it's really fun thinking of these Madden like signings, but it's like, you know, they could just look who's on their roster. And we do have Ola and Highsmith. But I mean, I'm just asking if one of those guys gets hurt, who's there to help them out? Another thing is they could probably see and kick the tires a little bit on Avery Williamson. I imagine now that two linebackers are out for the Steelers for the rest of the season, it's probably going to give a little bit more play to probably protect Robert Spillane a little bit. And man, to finish up on your last person in that list, it would be the, the sweetest thing ever to see Terrell Suggs in a Steelers uniform or a Steelers Super Bowl shirt holding up that Lombardi trophy. It would be awesome to see him holding up the Super Bowl trophy, you know, in a Steelers jersey. And uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Chris, uh, Tom Wynn's press conference was classically blunt by him about the entire game. He called the Steelers' effort against the COVID-depleted Ravens, quote, 
really junior varsity, to be honest. And it seemed like a sentiment that a lot of other members of the team carried into the locker room with the mood of the team pretty down because of Dupree's injury, but also just the overall game and shakiness of the victory, according to reports. What are your thoughts on the total post-game reaction from the Steelers? Because there was also Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster saying something, and of course Tomlin's comments were poignant. Yeah, I thought Tomlin was right on the mark. I mean, the way they played was really bad. Like I mentioned previously, they should have blown out that Ravens team. And, you know, I don't think I've ever saw a Tomlin post-game interview where he was that upset during a win. You know, it was a winning effort and everything, but it was just a lot, like I mentioned, a lot of draw passes, uh, just not executing in the red zone, just beating themselves and everything. And and even that 70-yard touchdown pass, I mean, they shouldn't have let that up. I mean, Edmonds should have made that tackle on that play. Uh, he took a bad angle and everything. But, yeah, you're right, you know, Ben – uh, really down after the game. And, you know, he mentioned about Bud and everything. And I think that was an uh, issue too, why they were down. But, you know, just overall play was bad. And, um, yeah, Juju, he kind of mentioned what uh, Tomlin said about a lot of how, you know, they had a JV performance and Ravens brought a JV team basically with so many guys on the reserve COVID-19 list. And, uh, you know, Juju said they played down to them. And, you know, he's right. Yeah, that's completely right. We're definitely going to have some fun just getting into this, like all this thing that went into this game because it, it didn't feel like the final score was 19 to 14. It didn't feel like that because, you know, the Steelers had plenty of opportunities, but they just kept leaving it all on the table. It almost yeah. felt like a continuation of the Jacksonville game, which, yeah, the Steelers won 27 to 3, but the score, you probably would have wanted them to run up the budget a little bit more against the Jaguars. And obviously there was a hangover into that game, whatever it may be, the long layoff or just lack of execution. Yeah, there was a lot of things just, uh, you know, out of whack and everything. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help with McLeod. He's had a really good year this year to return the ball, but man, he muffed the punt and that was huge in the game because the Ravens were a touchdown off of that on the drive after that. One of those big factors in just this overall gloominess in the Steelers locker room was the drops. Uh, Officially, ESPN said there was five total drops, though, Chris, by your unofficial count and by a lot of Steelers fans unofficial count, there was nine. It's depending on how you feel about the Chase Claypool. Uh, it, It seemed like a pass breakup in the end zone because his arm sleeve was off and it and that doesn't feel like a move that would come from, you know, the ball just glancing off. Ben can sling it, but I don't think anyone can sling it that hard. Just looking at the stats for these drops, it's tying for the most by the team in the last 15 seasons. Do you know the last two seasons in which they did that, Chris? No, I'm not not sure. Well, last year against the Rams and 2007 with the Browns. That's a long time after, you know, last year, 2007. Yeah, and you think of the great names that have come through with the Steelers receivers since then. It's just weird. Three of those were in the red zone in the first half, and that's the most by any team in the last three seasons. It's the start of us talking about the many execution issues the Steelers had in the game. And and guys, just what was the worst drop for you? Uh, Just off my head, probably Deontay Johnson one where he was like on the left sidelines and he beat his guy and right there, ball was in his hands and he just couldn't haul it in. I mean, there was a number of ones though, but that one sticks out just in my mind. Yeah, it's tough for me to just to pick one. I can't think of any individually really on top of my head other than the Deontay one that I just mentioned because he kind of just painted the picture back for me. But some of those Ebron ones, I mean, you knew that's what you were going to get uh, when you signed Ebron. He's always had 
you know, a couple issues with drops, but he also sprinkles in some big plays and it's just, it's all on Twitter. It's like everybody's talking about these guys needing to hit the jugs and definitely that needs to happen a little bit. It's just been a weird week and hopefully we can, you know, chalk it off, you know, that's say that's all it is, but you can't make those mistakes when you're playing teams like the chiefs or the bills or anything like that for sure. Or, any, or this Browns team that we're going to be seeing pretty soon. Yeah. I went back to watch the game and I got that unofficial count with a nine, seven were cleared drops. You know, the, the, the Claypool play that you mentioned, that was kind of like an iffy one. And also there was one to Deontay Johnson it was a deep pass. It was like on the right side of the field and uh, the defensive back actually made a pretty good plan on the ball. I think he got his hand in there and ripped it away. So uh, that was kind of if he wanted to. So, you know, give or take seven or nine drops. They, they also had two catch and fumbles that ended up going out of bounds. And Humphrey was the player for the Ravens that punched the ball out on, on both of those plays. Just noticing that in the Ravens style when it comes to tackles, it was more hold up and wait for a guy to come and punch that ball out. And that's what Humphrey does best. But it was every single corner maybe even some linebackers for the Ravens I've never seen a team actively attack the ball like that in situations where it's not like one minute left and you're desperately trying to get the ball back yeah they have amazing corners there in Baltimore probably the best duo I think in the league you know Humphreys is a really good player I saw a stat from pro football focus that they said he hasn't let up a touchdown this year uh you know he's just a great player and Anytime the Steelers go up against them, uh, Ravens quarterbacks, it's always a tough matchup. I mean, for sure. They're they're the best in the league at doing what they do, just going after the ball like that. Like, you know, whenever we play them, that team owns two out of three of Juju's fumbles in his career. So uh, that's just, it's pretty crazy to me. They they do their job extremely well and it, it pays off for them. I mean, I mean, that's how they kind of knew, that's the kind of way they came into the game. So let's just be us because, you know, those turnovers could potentially have won, won them the game. And now let's talk the overall day for the receivers out there for the Steelers. James Washington is going to get the ball more. And Tomlin mentioned that in his press conference. He had that tough catch in traffic that really capped the game for the Steelers getting a first down in that late in that fourth. And Ebron, again, he had a nice catch in which he toe tapped on the sideline a little bit. And also Juju had the game winning touchdown and the only offensive touchdown for the Steelers. Is this something that we're going to have to accept with the Steelers? Because this somewhat spread air raid style attack, eventually, sometimes whenever you throw the ball, it's just bound to happen. You're, you're bound to have just off hands at times. I don't think it's going to change. I think this is their you know MO and everything is that they're going to spread the ball out, throw it, and they're going to run it when they need to kind of like close it out, kind of how Benny Snell Jr. did at the end of the game there. But it's amazing to see how fast Roethlisberger gets the ball out of his hands and you know, he was hit six times, but for the fourth straight game, the offensive line hasn't given up a sack. It's just, you know, truly remarkable. And a lot of that has to do with the offensive line being better pass blockers, and but also just Roethlisberger getting the ball out of his hand really quick. 36 of 51, 266 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Maybe this is a little weird and kind of like grandstanding for me, but it's, I think they can afford to let Ben live a little bit out there in the pocket and let things develop because... He gets the ball out very fast, but sometimes just the way that it looks at times, you question if the Steelers were able to develop their routes a little bit more. Could that have created open space out there against the Ravens? You have to remember, this team only had two practice days. It's one of the reasons why the game got pushed back to Wednesday. You mentioned 260 yards passing. I mean, imagine how many yards he would have had passing if there weren't so many drops. Probably well over 300 yards. He probably had a couple more touchdowns, you would think. 
then, you know, of course, after the game, he said he needs to play better and he needs to throw better passes and everything. But going forward, the receivers, just, they have to do a better job catching the ball. Yeah, it's definitely just a team effort there. This is, this is hard to get a read on it, like you said. Just what would happen if you spent more time in the pocket, just like you said? Because they definitely left the touchdown on the field there when he threw that interception. It's just – it's like, is it the play calling? Is it Ben? Like, that that should have been a touchdown with the receivers you have. I mean, I get it. Sometimes you miss them. Sometimes you get them. But the throw at interception there was unacceptable in that situation, in my opinion. Yeah, Off and he had Derek open. Uh, and, uh, they showed that on the broadcast uh, after the interception occurred uh, that Derek Watt on, a, like, a slant route was wide open in the end zone, and you know, Ben just missed him. Yeah, it seemed like a little Texas route if we're going a little bit Madden football there. Uh, really, he stopped up right on the line, and you're just like, Ben, I know he's a fullback. I know that sometimes he's better off like serving for blocking, but that's one of those plays that just sometimes you have to go like, yeah, I want to throw it to my wide receiver, but that's inside the goal. Throw it to that man. And if he drops it, then there's a reason Derek Watts a fullback if he drops that. And if he catches it, excellent. Another target for the Steelers. Guard this guy, too. Really don't see what the issue is. Uh, that interception to Tyus Bowser on a fourth and goal from a two, just unacceptable, a- especially with how bad the team was in the red zone last year. But that was with quarterbacks you don't expect. This has been Roethlisberger, and with any decent quarterback, that should be points. Not three that close, but a seven. Come on. And what were we on the two? Um, so it's just like... You know, also, it's just I, I would miss having that running back who we could trust just to get in there. Like, you know, if, if you know, we I hate to bring up old names. So if you had somebody like Le'Veon Bell, you know, it's like, would you trust to hand the ball off at fourth and two? It's just such a strange kind of situation. Or like, why couldn't McFarland somehow get in there? It's just I, I get that you want to put the ball in seven's hands. But I mean, with, it, with that play, it just it just didn't seem like it developed the way they wanted it to. They didn't and even need to do that. They could have just handed it off to the fullback again. It's mm-hmm. like you're going to line up in I formation anyway. You might as well at least put some tape and make them go like, hey, you also have to guard this guy, too, because that's one of the reasons why he was open. The Ravens didn't think he would throw it to Derek Watt, and they were correct, and it almost changed the game for him. So yeah. another execution thing going on with that fourth down, that failure on fourth and goal, also third down again for the Steelers has just been an adventure. Two for six. In the first half, 6 for 14 overall, and 4th down 0 for 2, including that 4th and goal. They get into these situations sometimes because of this this difficulty in the running game. And of course, sometimes the play calling is is putting you in these 3rd and 1 situations. I don't get it. it. It seems like those are gimme situations because you can go play action and throw it over the top. You can hand it off to your fullback. You can hand it off to your running back. Heck, you've done enough jet sweeps. You could probably do it with Ebron if you wanted to. If you're going to do things, you got to be creative or make sure it works. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, you'd like to see them. Uh, I, they kind of got, gone away from the, like some of those uh, you know, end arounds and like jet sweeps. But, I mean, they, those kind of worked in the past, especially Claypool. He's, he's a pretty good uh, runner uh, you know, on those end arounds. Um, you know, just having us talking about Derek Watt being the one guy that was open there out of all our receivers is just insane too. It's just it's got to be had to be something there, yeah. something else. I mean, he was there. I just I don't know what happened with Ben. I don't. Yeah. No, he he had his like if he saw him, he's open. There, like you should have threw the ball. I just think Ben just missed him. Yeah, you know it's all good. No need to cry over spilled milk, but you know like 
can't leave anything on the field there. And that, you know, that should have at least been, I guess, three points at the very least. And the last thing on the offense is the running backs, which has been the really the big subject all season for us. The inconsistencies. One game it's amazing, the other game it's not so amazing. And Benny Snell, 16 carries, 60 yards, really total. He had 19 touches for 93 yards. Those are three catches and 33 receiving yards, in case you're wondering. And McFarlane, three carries for nine yards, and he had one one reception for 17, and that was pretty good as well. It seems that the Steelers have at least pass catching from the running backs, and it's got to be something. I mean, uh, a halfback screen, wide receiver screen, I don't know. Like they can get, they can afford to get their running backs the ball with. And it's not just Connor whenever he comes back. Tomlin really has to get these guys involved with it because in whoever's the hot hand, ride it until the end of the game or until they go cold. I thought Snell played pretty well, you know, 60 yards on 16 carries. Uh, he ran really hard in the fourth quarter, and, you know, he had those two first downs to close the game out. And, you know, Tomlin mentioned in his postgame uh, interview that a lot of the success was mainly due to Snell because I, I guess, you know, the running blocking was up, up to par where guys were coming in free. And, you know, Snell was just making some big plays on, you know, his just his effort alone. Yeah, I mean, the only thing we're missing from Snell is this, you know, consistency really. Um, I, I think he's very solid. And, I, you know, that pass catching from these backs, I, I think it's going to be important to, you know, keep that going down the stretch. You know, it just adds a whole other dimension. And Like, you know, I just miss being able to see Ben dump it off to somebody every now and then. I, I think that'll be very important down the stretch, you know, just to get an easy first down or five yards. But, yeah, just that stiff arm that he's been dishing out. You know, everybody on this team has been dishing out stiff arms, you know, the last couple of years. But seen, we saw a couple of this game that were pretty critical. Yeah, he ran over Marcus Pierce, too, who's, a, you know, known to be like a physical corner and stuff. And, uh, you know, that was an impressive run. And, and that's true about the pass catching abilities, too. It was good. You know, Snell had some nice catches, too. And it was good to see McFarlane have that 17-yard catch. Hopefully, moving forward, you know, they'll, they'll use him a little bit more in the passing game. And to bridge between offense and defense, the special teams, uh, we mentioned earlier that Ray Ray McLeod muffed the punt that allowed Gus Edwards to score and give the Ravens a seven to six lead, really their only lead of the game. And and special teams in general was really kind of iffy. Devin Duvernay had a couple solid returns from the kicking game, and Boswell missed an extra point that could have really cost them in the long run. And there was a couple of fears I seen on Twitter of that could be a future omen for the Steelers, but he hit his other three kicks, one extra point and two field goals that were instrumental in this victory in the long run. McLeod muffing that punt was huge, obviously. You can't do that when you're favored by a lot of points against a team that you're clearly better than. You know, you allow them to get back in the game and everything because they really had the Ravens down at that point. Been doing well, but I mean, I know ball security has kind of been an issue with him with the past teams that he played for. So hopefully, you know, he corrects that and everything. And then uh, with Boswell, yeah, yeah, I don't want to say it's like a concern. Like you mentioned, he made his other kicks, but uh, you you like to see him be uh, better in those extra points because, uh, you know, if you play a better team, that, that one point could be really critical. Exactly. I'm personally not concerned, but, you know, if, if it starts becoming a pattern, which you can honestly probably say it has been every now and then he does miss an extra point, but. You know, as long as he keeps it far and few, um, I think we'll be all right. Um, like you guys said, those other three kicks he's had were very critical. And, um, 
you know, very important. That's, that's all that matters is if he makes those important kicks. And like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he made that, that record kick. Just keep that up and uh, hopefully clean this up along the way. The NFL moved back the extra point to create situations like this because when it was the 20 or so yard chip shot, it was basically automatic. You could not miss from that range in this league. Now let's get to the defense. Run defense, instrumental. It really was in this performance. Gave up worrying runs on the ground to Robert Griffin III, but they did make him fumble. But, of course, the offense couldn't capitalize after that. Griffin was the leading rusher for the Ravens with 68 yards, and Gus Edwards did get a touchdown, but the combo of him and Justice Hill were not as effective as Edwards and Dobbins in the first matchup of the season. The overall rushing performance was 129 yards total, and obviously way better than the historic performance Baltimore gave that was the most by a Steelers team in 27 years. Guys, what are your thoughts on the run defense's resurgence against the Ravens? Overall, you know, they did better, obviously, than last time, but um, I, I kind of want to see them better uh, up the middle. The Ravens had a couple big runs, especially that 39-yard run by RG3 up the middle, which, uh, you know, they shouldn't have let that happen. Uh, they were having success with that play where they were pulling their guard and tackle, kind of like a, a counter play. Yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, I thought they did pretty well. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see but how Highsmith does defending the run without Bud Dupree because Dupree's, you know, he's a great pass rusher, but he's also really good when it comes to defending the run. For sure. Um, good news about Highsmith, kind of unrelated, is – you know, they have been sprinkling him in a little bit. You know, when he has been on the field, he has made some good plays. But, um, you know, how will he do as the full-time starter? We'll just have to see that. You know, like you said, I think definitely there needs to be some improvement up the middle. I was encouraged, uh, you know, for what we saw, this, you know, keeping them as a rush-only team. No matter who the Ravens have on the field, they really want them to be Lamar Jackson. And that's – I think that's kind of – that kind of hurt them at the same time. It's just – I think they should have drew up some more plays for Robert Griffin III to throw a little bit more. Obviously, Trace McSorley had that really good pass, and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. You know, I think they did a good job at you know slowing down what the Ravens had drawn up for us. Uh, keep that thought on the linebackers because I'm interested in your takes on what the rotation will be later for mm-hmm. that linebacking crew. And uh, you mentioned a little bit with the pass defense, and really for them, all the goal against the Ravens, especially with RG3, is to just show up and make the plays whenever you have to. And for the most part, the pass defense did that. There was really only one play, that 77-yarder to Hollywood Brown with Trace McSorley in, that was a backbreaker for the Steelers in a way. Uh, The huge play by Minka Fitzpatrick at the end of the first half, along with that little delay, really saved the Steelers in terms of a point scored that could have really created a hassle for them in the future and uh, the mentioned Trace McSorley pass over pursued by Edmonds that really created that touchdown and you know just evasive running over on Minka Fitzpatrick by Hollywood Brown Uh, you're just trying to be the one guy that doesn't get beat totally and in this league with a guy like Hollywood Brown those things will happen you will get shaked out and he will walk right into the end zone. That's just how it is. And that cut the lead to five for the Ravens. That was really the lone big passing play for them because Trace McSorley's 77 yards off that buoyed the Ravens to a grand total of 90 yards passing. So in the end, aside from that one bad play, 
was a good day at the office for the pass defense because Joe Hayden had the first score for the Steelers and and the entire game at Hull. Yeah, you know, it really was that one play. I mean, with RG3 at quarterback and overall the Ravens' passing attack you know, not being very good at all. You know, even when Jackson's in there, you know, they're not very explosive as, as a passing team. Yeah, you know, that one play, I think Hayden came up on, you know, he, he bit up on the play and then Edmonds had the half the field and he just took a, a bad angle. And, you know, after that, uh, Brown was off to the races and then, you know, he just kind of got, you know, made a couple cuts and Mika couldn't get him. He was in a you know vulnerable situation or position where he couldn't really make, make a play and open the field. And, you know, Brown's a really explosive player. You know, other than that, I thought the secondary played well, and it's kind of, it's expected to. I mean, I know that they haven't played really good quarterbacks this year when you really look at it. You know, been four, you know, Colin Coward talked about today on this show about how they played four backup quarterbacks and everything. And, you know, it's true. When you, when you really look at all the quarterbacks they played, probably the best quarterback they played was Watson in week three. I give yeah, credit uh, to Tannehill, but go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, you, you know, Watson, true. Tannehill, when you think about pure passing, you know, Jackson's a great player, but he's not much of a threat as a passing quarterback. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point you bring up because I haven't really thought about that. But yeah, I completely agree with you on the the passing defense. I mean, those pick sixes that have come in both these these games against the Ravens have been very critical, both fairly early as well. Different players, of course. I'm not gonna say they figure them out. Um, they do a great job at making them a one dimensional team. And did you guys see Ryan Clark's tweet yesterday where where he said like this team in black, you know, referring to the Steelers can't beat the Chiefs right now? You know, off of that performance, yeah, but you know, obviously the Steelers could play a lot better than that. I would have to agree with Clark. I know I, I posted on Twitter that I agreed that, uh, you know, as of yesterday's performance, they, they wouldn't beat the Chiefs and everything. And I got some flack for that. Some Steelers fans weren't too happy with uh, me mentioning that. <laughs> Teddy yeah. Bruski gave us more props than a former Steeler and Ryan Clark. And you, you want to know something? Clark's not wrong. That's this what defense I said. is going to show yeah. up. This defense will show up. I think this would have been done even with Jackson in at quarterback. Jackson might have gotten 100 yards by himself because if RG3 can get 68, Lamar Jackson can get 100. There was plays in there that you have a quarterback that can at least make the throw. Like if McSorley can make that throw, Lamar Jackson can make that throw. And, and we all know Patrick Mahomes, he can run up the budget with the best of them. Tyreek Hill, 263 yards against Tampa. He, he was basically giving his best Shannon Sharp impression on the sideline. Then you have Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman. There's all these guys for Kansas City, and I hate to talk about a team that we're not probably going to face this year if worst comes to worst or best comes to best or something in between. It's tough to say this right now. It's There's a reason you play the game. The Steelers were expected to blow them out. Kansas City right now is probably expected to blow Pittsburgh out, but they play the game, and we'll find out what Steelers team would show up. Yeah, definitely. I'll be interested to see how they do against Josh Allen uh, when they play Buffalo because that's probably, like, the best quarterback they'll play for the remainder of the regular season. Uh, you know, Alex Smith is solid, but I don't think he's up to the level of Josh Allen at the point of his career right now. But, uh, you know, the last three weeks they've they played – well, Burroughs, you know, he's a young rookie, but in the last two weeks they haven't played good quarterbacks. You know, like you guys said, I'm just going to wait and see – you know, it's so fun to talk about it, but I, you know, it's just, I want to wait till I see it. Do I think we have a chance? Yes, but we'd have to be playing, you know, really well. And, you know, if we dive into the Chiefs, kind of their, their matchups, it's like they have had some close games. Just the Steelers have to be able to capitalize, you know, and actually somehow win that game. 
It'll um, take an effort like Tennessee in the first half, but maybe instead of one touchdown, there's going to have to be two or three, maybe against yeah. that Kansas City team. But again, last playoffs, we all seen it. That offense will go down 55 and come back and win. Exactly. You know, if they beat KC in the playoffs, they just have to play their A game, really. And like you mentioned, that first half against the Titans, they were, they were really uh, firing in all cylinders on defense and offense, really. Um, yeah, they just very much have to be playing at their very best against this Chiefs team. And like you said about Josh Allen, I'm this year, all I'm going to say is I'm excited to see a big Ben and Josh Allen matchup. You know, we didn't get to see that last year. Well, I didn't get to see that last year in person. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. It's just going to be an exciting matchup coming up. And the last thing to talk about is that pass rush. The team recorded three sacks, two by Watt, one by Hayward, and five quarterback hits. Watt had three and Hayward and Alulu had one apiece. This is the 68th consecutive game with at least one sack, one off of Tampa Bay's streak of 69 straight games set in 2003 with Mike Tomlin on the staff. It's going to be a tougher road now with Bud Dupree out. Teams can afford to key in a little bit and probably hold a little bit more against DJ Watt. Do you guys see this streak being broken? I really could see it being broken. I mean, Washington has given up a lot of sacks this year, and I haven't looked at Buffalo's numbers yet as far as their offensive line. But, I mean, I, I don't think it matters, but I think, I mean, all you need is at least one sack. Yeah, I mean, they, they won't have Bud for the rest of the season, but, I mean, T.J. Watt himself has just been a monster this year. So, I think they really have a good chance to break it. I completely agree. It's definitely going to be a harder road, but it, this definitely has to be a team effort. You know, we need to get to it back. We need just to have a full team. They all need to be playing at their very best. You know, like you said, it's going to be harder for TJ, but will he be able to handle it? I still think so. And, you know, this definitely could be his year to win defensive player of the year. Just can you imagine like losing his uh, guy on the other side and he comes up and picks up the slack? You know, this, this is definitely a moment for him to, you know, continue to prove that, you know, he's the best in the game. Yeah. Chris Carter did mention that, that a lot of people were probably not giving TJ Watt the slack for defensive player of the year. So certainly TJ is going to be able to prove to people that it doesn't matter. He can do this with anyone, anytime, any place. And that's going to be the one storyline for the rest of the season and really going on into the postseason and beyond for the Steelers. I have confidence in Alex Highsmith and you get a pick for a reason. So I think he'll probably be able to give something a little bit more in the past defense. And who knows, maybe... Maybe that allow Vince Williams to go out and get after the quarterback a little bit more. They still have a, a solid linebacker in him out there. And of course, you never know what they could do with Spillane and Avery Williamson's out there and, and they can get a little crazy. It could be interesting. They could line up Williamson at outside backer. They could keep a Daney. They can have who else is um I'm trying to remember. Is is Gilbert almost ready to go? Uh, I believe he's still on IR. He's inside though. They have J-Ron Elliott, I think. Oh, yeah. Another outside linebacker. They really don't have much. Bud and Watt were their main guys, obviously. And then, you know, Highsmith came in. And Ola's been pretty much a special teams player. But I don't know. They'll have to figure something out. They'll have to look at who's available. Or they might just stick to that next man up approach. Oh, it's going to be tough. All right, guys. So final thoughts on Steelers versus Ravens. What one thing do you want to see the Steelers improve the most from this game? Just overall play sharper, you know, better in the red zone, uh, you know, better situational football in those third and short situations and also fourth and short situations. Uh, they, they weren't good on that. You know, they're 0 for 2 on fourth down. 
and just really, you know, receivers catching the ball, you know, giving them high praise in the past saying like, this might be the best receiving core that Ben's ever played with, you know, as maybe best, you know, pure talent or just depth overall. But I mean, yesterday they certainly didn't show that. So, uh, Deontay Johnson, he, he gets some flack from people because, you know, he's a great receiver. He's a great route runner, everything. But if you notice, like this year, he's, he's been really inconsistent at times, you know, with not catching the ball or, you know, maybe running a wrong route or at times he's seen, you know, not consistent. But, you know, he's a great receiver. So hopefully moving forward, uh, get uh, improved in that area. I just want to see improvement this overall, just cleaning up the mistakes. Um, I think it'll be quite easy to, you know, clean up some of the mistakes that have in this game. But, just clean it up basically. And I think this team's got what it takes, even losing the players they've lost. You know, that's, that's how teams win championships, make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, you're going to have injuries along the way. It's just about how you respond to them. You guys consider this. I don't think it's like when Shazier went down in 2017. I, I think they're better equipped to replace Bud, even though it's a huge loss. <laughs> you think about who they call to bring in. Oh, that's um, Sean Spence off the couch. Literally, yeah, I mean, that, that's how bad we were off. At least we have somebody who we have some confidence team. It's still definitely a big blow. I mean, it definitely, you know, it was it me and you, Ty, talking. Um, you know, we saw, you're like, oh, we think he's okay. And then we got back, you know, it's like, oh, no, he's not. Because I saw it, you know, I saw him hit the ground. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look good. And, you know, maybe he was just frustrated that he missed the missed the sack. It, it definitely, when it happened, my, you know, my, my heart sank. It was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, when you see a guy tapping the ground like that, you think of either one thing. It's either a knee injury or he, he slipped and fell. And he's, at first I tweeted, it's butts hurt. And I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. And then NBC cuts back and here comes Bud going down the tunnel. Yeah, I was in the same exact thoughts as you. Was, you, know, you never want to see that. I, of course, in my, my head and my heart, I was you know, hoping that it was something lesser than that, but just the reaction on his face, you knew, and it, it's so unfortunate. Probably really hurts his uh, future for, you know, because he's a free agent after this year. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Not going to be healthy, obviously, by March. So if he's not re-signed by the Steelers, uh, I mean, that, that could hurt him from another team uh, potentially signing him. Well, it'll be interesting to find out what's the future for Bud Dupree. And real quickly, guys, your player a game, and what is your letter grade for this game? Probably like a D. I mean, I know they won, but they, they could have played a lot better. And uh, player of the game, uh, I'll probably go with Watt. Uh, Watt had seven total tackles, four solos, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, and three quarterback hits. He leads the league in sacks now with 11. He's right up there with Aaron Donald right now for defensive player of the year. And we'll keep an eye on TJ Watt as he marches towards defensive player of the year. I'll go Joe Hayden, and the grade is C-. minus. Guthrie, what is your player of the game and letter grade for the game. I mean, I was going to have to go with Joe Hayden as well. Just with that, that pick six, he had one of the only two touchdowns of the game. I mean, he honestly could have had the only touchdown of the game, you know, it depends how the game went, uh, if it went a different direction, but as for grade, definitely D, definitely D like D, D minus. It's just felt like a game we should have lost, but Hey, we'll take it. I mean, an honorable mention for player of the game would be Benny Snell and this Juju Smith Schuster for those guys, you know, throwing those stiff arms and fighting for extra yards. Now, we're fortunate that the longest week in NFL history is finally over, and the next opponent is the Washington football team. We'll have on Bram Weinstein, the play-by-play voice of the Washington football team, on for our preview podcast. For Chris Ward and Guthrie Rasmussen, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. 
thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on renegadeblitz.com, and like us on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, and Spotify.